Ryan Reese is the co-founder of the Whosoever's Movement, a nonprofit organization that empowers students at public high schools to make positive choices no matter the circumstances. Ryan also teaches a weekly study at Calvary Chapel Golden Springs, which can also be heard on K-Wave 107.9 FM. He's the host of a live radio talk show, uh, Ryan, Live with Ryan Reese, which is heard across 50 stations nationwide and live streamed every Saturday night. Ryan's hope is to inspire people to stand together and make a difference. Ryan Reese joins me here today on Unaborted with Seth Gruber to discuss abortion, life, the church, the gospel, and so much more. So stay tuned for a great conversation. We'll be right back. Well, Ryan, thanks for joining me today. I appreciate you stopping by. Thanks for having me. So our paths crossed in an interesting way. I had heard your name and then a mutual friend of ours said I needed to connect with you. And then people were telling me to have you me on your show. And then we did that. And that was awesome. Yep. But I think the one thing I came away from after our interview together was just, I think you're just a walking example of the grace and power of God. And I think we all are, if we're followers of Jesus, we've yeah. been redeemed, we've been saved from eternal death. That yeah. makes us a walking example yeah. of the power of God. But I think particularly how God has used you has just been so powerful. And so I want my listeners to know a little bit about your background yeah. uh, and kind of where uh, God has brought you today. So who is Ryan Reese? What's your story? Well, by no means have I ever arrived at all. It's just a continued work of, uh, of God's grace and mercy in our lives. And, um, you know, my dad, he, uh, he just, he talks about being a Christian. He says, you know, you always just got to keep it simple, you know, be with the people and, um, just keep your eyes on God. And that's basically, it's just, basically it's just head to the cross right. every single, every single day. So I don't want to encourage you guys on that. Um, I, I grew up in, um, in Los Angeles, California and, uh, you know, my brothers were all part of the uh, the music industry. Uh, you know, he's one of my brothers was playing in a band up in, in L.A. This is during the whole skinhead and punk uh, movement. I was about six years younger, so we grew okay. up skateboarding, part of that punk rock mentality, and um, getting picked up on uh, you know Vespas from skinheads and stuff in school. <laughs> so I I had a really uh cool radical life growing up, but I got into uh, drugs and alcohol at a young age and pornography, and um, just junior that, high, high school. I would say I saw my fir uh, a duffel bag of magazines. You know when porn was on paper, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, it went, on paper, it was a duffel bag of magazines when I was in, like first or second grade. Oh gosh! And I didn't even know what was happening actually. Right. But that literally started changing, uh, reprogramming my mind. Yeah. And then you know uh, that that led to uh, you know wanting the the whole sex the desire the drive really right. en en enhanced that. And then um, just when I got into school, I uh, got into, you know, drugs and alcohol. When I got into high school, I kind of waited because I was scared of that stuff. And then um, uh, after high school, got introduced to the electronic rave scene during that time and started working for a record company and doing all the art for them and started producing my own events, did some raves, did some clubs, punk rock shows. And then from there, fast forwarding, got hired to manage uh, Circle Footwear, which was the number one skateboard brand at right. that time. Yeah. And doing large scale music festivals, life just uh, the highlights took off, you know. And then I had an encounter with God shortly after that. My life has never been the same. Awesome. Yeah. So what was that like? What was that encounter like? How did God take you from that to His Son? Uh, well, you know, without without I kind of skipped ahead. Let me let me retrack a little bit. Um, 
when I got out of high school and I was working in LA and involved in the music industry, um, I met a girl. I did meet a girl and I met her at a bar. You don't want to meet girls at bars. Um, and I wasn't a Christian obviously at this time, but I, I fell in love with this girl. She was like a, she was, she was a she was stripping at the time, uh, bisexual stripper. And, uh, I started dating her and I, um, I, I used to say I fell in love with her, mm-hmm. but what I realized is I fell in lust with her, <laughs> yeah. you know, and there's a big difference. Right. And I think when you're young and you're sleeping around and stuff, it, uh, you're, you're more moved by your, your emotions and your sex drive. It's easy to confuse the two. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I, for a long time I was like, yeah, I, I was in love with her, but I was in lust with her. Hmm. And because of the, uh, the pornography and stuff at a young age right. really, um, uh, made me want that kind of that kind of a girl. And basically what happened is, um, I fell in love with her, lusted with her and, uh, I ended up getting her pregnant. And during this, How old were you? I was in my, it's probably like 21. Okay. Yeah. The bar scene was new. That's where I met her. Right. And what's interesting, I wasn't even really into her when I first saw her, okay. but you know, I was just drinking out, having a good time and I ended up sleeping with her one night and that's where I fell in lust with her. And, um, I basically ended up getting her pregnant and she didn't, I didn't even know she was pregnant. She just uh, showed up at my work one day and just said, I just got back from the uh, abortion clinic and she was, she was wrecked. Um, You know, as most girls are. So she didn't tell you. She didn't tell me. No, she didn't tell me, but I remember when it happened, I was just like, I was in shock that she, she got pregnant and she didn't tell me. And then the double whammy was, that she aborted the kid because I've never been, you know, pro abortion. Right. So it was, I was just really shocked and I just saw her and she was just really messed up. And all I can do at this point was just kind of embrace her uh, because wow. I knew that she went and murdered a, a baby. Yeah. You know, I, I've been very educated on, on abortions growing up because my family was Christians. Right. So I knew. knew what, it's not like most people just think like, from what they hear in society or social media. Well, social right. media wasn't around back it's then. It's just a blob of tissue. It's yeah, it's just like, oh, they went and got rid of the blob of tissue and all this. But you knew. I, I knew that from what I saw the photos that she went in and they cut the baby up and they took the baby out. So I knew what she was going through, the procedures that she went through. Wow. So I embraced her and, uh, you know, I just said, you know, I love you. And I just continued this relationship with her. And then months later, um, I ended up getting her pregnant again. And what happened was we ended up going to the doctors to uh, basically, uh, you know, see the kid because we decided to have the kid. And when we went there, they discovered that one of the eggs split into identical twins. And um, I guess one died out from this thing called vanishing twin. So we go, okay, we're just, we're going to have this other one. There's one healthy baby. So I don't know, weeks later we were, we were planning to like, okay, you know, we're going to get married. You know, we even got married like uh, through the court. And we're like, okay, we're really? gonna actually have wow. a, we're gonna actually have a a a wedding now, and we're you know I'm gonna buy a house, and we're just gonna kind of get everything together to have this kid, try to do things right, you know, God's way. Right. And I don't know if my heart was really for God though. I was just like, okay, I want to do it God's way on paper. Right. Right. Okay. So we're gonna start going to church, um, but I wasn't reading the Bible at home. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get married. You know, we're going to move in together. We're going to get a house. Yeah. But it was, it was more like I was being a poser. Um, it was just God's way on paper, which mm. a lot of people do that. Yeah, yeah. So what happened from there is um, weeks later, she basically just called me and, and just said, you know what, Ryan? She's like, I'm too young. Um, 
I don't want to have this kid. I, I love you. I want to stay with you. And I just remember. Wow. This was now. This is when it got gnarly for me, because before I wasn't ready for it. It was just kind of like a surprise factor, and it was already done. What was done, but now there's a baby in her stomach. I'm like, I want to have this kid. Yeah. You know, we're in the process of buying a house. We just got married legally by the court. We're going to have the wedding. Yeah. And now she's like, I don't want to have the kid. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. You know, what do you, what do you do in this situation? There's a lot of things that were running through my mind is like, okay, so is this girl crazy? Because she's already aborted the kid. And now we saw the heartbeat of the kid. We wow. we saw everything. And you were stepping up. You and yeah. And I'm like, we're going to do this. And now she's like, I just don't want to have the kid because I'm too young. But I'm like, there's no reason why you can't. They why you don't need to have the kid. You don't have to work. I don't think she ever worked when she was with me. She's going to get a house. We're going to get right. married. And she, all she has to do is raise the kid. Wow. And it was really jacking me up because then the other side of me is I'm saying, well, is this girl like if this girl decides that she wants to just abort the kid now? Hmm. What happens if I stay with her and we get married? Like what other crazy acts is she going to act like do later on? Wow. If she doesn't listen to me now over like a life and death situation. Wow. What's going to happen later? Yeah. So I just said, look it, if you abort this kid, I'm leaving you just because I can't, I don't know what's going to happen later on in life. I got to protect myself at this point. And, um, and unfortunately you have no legal voice, right? You had no ability I, I couldn't to do anything. fight for your child. I, I literally couldn't do anything. I mean, she was at her parents' house at this point and you know, we haven't moved in together yet. We didn't get a place. So I had no control over anything that was happening at this point. And I just said, if you abort the kid, I'm going to leave you. And and she said she was going to do it. And do this, wow. looking back, this screwed me up because there was nothing I could do wow. in this situation. I, you know, even after I got her pregnant with this kid and seen the baby, I think that's where kind of love started like really happening. Like I was like, okay, this is going to be the wife. Right. This is going to be the mother of my child. Yeah. We're going to raise her. So all these emotions were going on. And I just felt like my heart got ripped out of me. And cause I had no control. I couldn't do anything. I remember being on the phone with her just saying, Oh man, you're going to, you're, you're going to murder this baby. Like you're going to kill this baby. This baby's alive. And right. You're going to murder him. And she was just calloused, I guess, for whatever reason. Wow. And, um, she went through with it. And I just remember I went into, I went into a rage at first. I mean, I think I broke everything in my room except for the windows. Wow. Yeah, I just went crazy and because I had no control. Were you still using drugs at that point? No, too? I was actually sober, but wow. I just like lost it because I think I lost it because my heart just got ripped out of my chest. Because what I, from what I knew of love and marriage and 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 be, getting pre getting a girl pregnant and having a baby and all these things, right. everything like all that it was it was just a baby. But it was, everything was ripped out for me. Right. It was a marriage that just happened. Yeah. We were like this life that we that I thought I was going to have yeah. everything was just wow. ripped out in a, in a, in a second. And that led me into uh, a depression. Um, like I didn't like sit in my room. It wasn't like that, but I was, I was depressed definitely for, for a while. Just sad. Yeah. I don't even know what depression felt like, but like wow. if, if that's, I was very sad, very depressed and um, I was really screwed up at that point. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. So this was all between 21 and 23? Yeah, wow. so, something like that. Okay. And then from that point, um, 
I was just trying to figure out what I was going to do. Cause I was doing clubs at that time and, and events did a movie premiere for shorty skateboards video. So I was, I was doing good for myself. Um, but I just was mentally, my heart and everything was jacked up. So from that point, um, wow. there was a turn of events. Thank God for a turn of events because I got a, an offer to, to come in and start working for circle footwear, the skate company. And, um, and my life, I, I moved from where I was at to Orange County to San Clemente. And I started touring the world and working with, you know, the biggest rock and hip hop bands and yeah. doing music festivals and all that stuff kind of like, um, helped me numb the pain in a sense, but yeah, I never yeah. dealt with the, the issue, you know? Wow. So I was like messed up inside. Uh, like I didn't trust girls at that point. Yeah. You know, uh, Drinking was good because it would numb, numb my my thought process. Yeah, and then the drugs slowly crept in. Yeah, and then um, from there, basically, what happened is uh, I just continued to to work in the music and skateboarding industry, and then the drugs and all that. It just kept increasing because I never dealt with the heart. That's yeah. the whole thing. Right. I had all this stuff. I was I was suppressing what happened to me. Yeah. Uh, at 21 and then um i just tried filling it with money and success and relationships yeah. and and careers and all these right. things and houses and cars and motorcycles and you know yeah skateboarding surfing wow. and it just got kept getting bigger and bigger and well then, it's such it's such an inverted narrative because when someone loses an infant right yeah. or loses a baby that they miscarried mm -hmm. that they wanted yeah the culture says you're right to feel sad you're right to mourn. Yeah. This was your child. But how much more intense is it to have your wife, yeah. your girlfriend, your fiance, yeah. arrange the death of your own child yeah. against your will? Mm -hmm. And yet the culture wants to tell you that Ryan Reese is somehow intolerant or bigoted yeah. for experiencing negative emotions from that because it wasn't a person. It was just a blob of tissue, yeah. right? And that's the whole just craziness of the whole abortion narrative yeah. is that we'll sympathize with people who mourn the loss of their wanted children, yeah. but scoff at them if they mourn the loss of their unwanted unborn children, even though, of course, in this case, you yeah. wanted your yeah. unborn child. So it's, yeah, it just goes to show the spiritual darkness, I think, in the issue. But I... I always tell people I speak to in schools and churches that, that God makes beauty from ashes, right? Mm -hmm. And he wants to use people to help where they used to hurt. Mm -hmm. And so I, I love the stories of redemption where someone who is post-abortive, yeah. which is true of men and women. Yeah. Of course, you didn't get the abortion, but like that was your child. Yeah. I love seeing God use those people and create beauty from their ashes. Mm -hmm. so, so how did you navigate the journey of having your unborn child killed? against your will and and how did god take you through a process of healing well for 11 years well, i guess let me see from that point 21 till i was 30 till i was 32 years old i just never really dealt with it i mean wow. i just i just kind of up and smoke you know yeah. smoking and drinking right. to numb it and uh try to fill myself again with all those things and then you know obviously all that stuff just like all sin progresses in your life, whether whatever you're into, it's all going to progress. Pornography progresses. You start with Playboy and you end up in Penthouse and then you end up in Club. And right. I'm, I'm talking old school 80s stuff and then triple X porn and right. all that stuff. And that's the way it works with drugs and alcohol or any kind of sin right. in your it's life. It's never enough. Right. No, it's just never, it's just the fire. It just keeps raging. And um, 
I ended up uh, ODing in, in a hotel room from Pan- in Panama, or actually, I ended up ODing in a hotel room in Costa Rica. I always get this confused. In Costa Rica, I OD'd, wow. came out of it, and then I took a plane the next day to Panama City, and that's when I gave my life to Jesus. Wow, okay. So, so tell us about that. So that, yeah, so I was so it just- it all came to a head. <laughs> it all came to a head. I took 90, as I was doing cocaine from Mexico, Mexico, Costa Rica, for nine days straight, Xanax and alcohol and cocaine, and I just OD'd. And the skateboard wow. team found me and they they called my parents because we all we all have heart back then we all had Harleys and stuff. We'd all ride. And my dad would, you know, we'd meet up with my dad sometimes on the weekend, hang out with him riding. Nice. So they called my dad and one of the guys, Adrian, called my dad and said, Hey, we don't think Ryan's gonna make it out alive. And wow. basically, uh, my parents prayed. By God's grace, I came out of it. Now, this is my third OD, by the way. Wow. Um <laughs> And at this point, I lost probably 16 friends of suicide and drug overdose. Like oh my my, it wasn't, it was very dark, but a lot of wow. success, um, but dark. <laughs> so it's like light and dark. Wow. Yeah. Um, and basically what happened is um, I just gave my life to Jesus Christ in that hotel room. And I just said, look, Lord, if you're real, prove that you're real to me. Yeah. Like, forgive me my sins. I'm a dirty sinner. I knew, you know, I knew the message of the cross. I knew that there was forgiveness. Right. And I was like, forgive me and like reveal yourself. If you reveal yourself to me, I'll follow you. Wow. I was just at the end of myself. Like, yeah. I was just over it. I didn't really, honestly, the life I lived, like I've done everything I've ever wanted to do. I've surfed the most exclusive spots in the world. I've skated <laughs> everywhere. I've been to every right. country that I've ever wanted to be like 10 or 11 times, yeah. you know. I've seen it all. I was just completely empty yeah and now i don't get me wrong i i didn't live in a you know two million dollar home or for driving lamborghinis not that i'm even into lamborghinis or anything i like trucks you know uh but right. everything i've ever wanted like right t- touring the world seeing all the coolest places yeah. being with my friends skateboarding surfing like that's pretty much like right i'm, I'm pretty simple like that yeah, yeah, just yeah. skateboarding surfing satisfies me but um I was just at the end of myself and I literally was that place wow. where I'm like, you know what? God, like in my heart, I was like, I don't care if I do anything anymore. I feel like I've done it all. I'm just like, whatever you want me to do, if you want me wow. to just clean toilets for you, I'll just do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Honestly, like I didn't even care at this point, wow. you know? And, uh, and that's like where you get to the end of yourself. Yeah. And that's where it all comes down to with a relationship with God is you wow, just you have to right. be at the place. Just like, you know what? Yeah. Forget everything. I want you in my life if you're real. And I just said, forgive me for my sins and come into my life. Well, right. I thought that, you know, I was going to have this encounter, you mm-hmm. know, this charismatic encounter. Right, right, like right. There's going to be rainbows and lightning bolts <laughs> and angels. And Jesus would be like, my son, Ryan, I've been waiting for you, son. Uh, nothing happened. <laughs> and um, I just hmm. remember there was these Bibles in these hotel rooms. They're called Gideon Bibles and they're everywhere. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I opened the drawer. There was a blue Gideon Bible. Hmm. Said said Holy Bible on it in Panama City. <laughs> not, you know, not Spanish. It was in English. I opened it up. It was the King James Version. And I was like, oh, great. Because I've been in special ed classes my whole life. Right. I've had ADD, horrible reader. Now I got the King James Version, <laughs> like Shakespeare, yeah, yeah, V yeah. Thou. <laughs> and... Uh, I don't know, man. I just ended up stealing it from the hotel, got on a plane the next morning, and I read it for six hours straight. Wow. The King James Version for six hours. That's gnarly. <laughs> That's awful. And I remember the whole skateboard team, they were just looking at me going, What is happening? Like, like this dude's reading the Bible. And I remember looking at him going, Hey, if God's real, he's in this book and I'm going to find him. Hmm. And I just landed in Los Angeles and I felt peace for the first time in my life. Wow. Like literally, I just felt just calm peace. 
And now you gotta understand when you're like doing drugs and a lot of drugs and alcohol and you're living this party lifestyle, you get anxiety, you know, you could get like panic attacks, you can yeah. get, um, you know, depressed from the come downs of, of drugs. Right. Depression's always there. And uh, here I am, I just felt peace for the first time in my life. Wow. And I, I didn't understand, because I didn't, believe it or not, I grew up in the church, but I didn't understand the work of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. I didn't understand, the, you know, the peace and the joy and all that stuff. And so I read the Bible, which is the living word of God. It's the DNA of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the DNA of holiness. It's God's word. The Father's Son, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came out of eternity to planet Earth. The word, he is the word. It became flesh. The Word of God. So it's the Father, the Son, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. I read the Bible and I feel peace for the first time in my life. Wow. And it was just the whole work of the Holy Spirit. And I remember going home that next day, going to bed, woke up the next morning, and I just heard this uh, song singing through my head uh, when I woke up. I actually woke up in the morning and I heard the song, This is the Day the Lord Has Made. It kept repeating over and over. Mm. And I'm like, What the heck is that? Wow. I go out front of my house to smoke a cigarette. It's still in my head. As I'm smoking a cigarette, it's just going, it's just over and over. And I'm That's like, awesome. what the heck? So I called my dad. I said, dad, I said, I woke up. Hmm. Well, first of all, I gave my life to Jesus Christ in a hotel room. I read the Bible. Your dad's like, everything I've been praying for. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I felt peace. Yeah. And I woke up this next morning and I felt, and I heard the song singing through my head. It's been repeating. He said, Ryan, that's the Holy Spirit. And God has a plan for your life. And I was like, okay, God's real. Yeah. And then I'm like, he has a plan for my life. Mm. I'm like, that's good news. Right. But I'm like, I kind of, I have the life. Yeah. You know, like, what's he going to do in my life? Like, right, right. Already doing everything I ever wanted to do. Yeah. Um, And that was it. So the next day I just wow. decided to get a Bible. So I went to, I drove up to the church to my dad's. Well, first I went, met with my company, the circuit team or the yeah. circuit, you know, office. And, and I said, look, I did my job. I got us all over MTV, worked <laughs> with the biggest bands. Everyone's wearing our product. Right. I mean, I've done my 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 job. We got the dopest team out. We have two teams now because I built two teams while I was there. And um, I'm like, I'm strung out, you know? Wow. And they just said, we'll get clean. Yeah. Take some time off, get clean, go to rehab, and then come back. And we'll put you in marketing in the office so you don't have to go on, on, yeah, yeah. on tour in the, in the party zone. Right, right, right. I was like, perfect. Wow. Awesome. So, so you turned your life around. Yeah. So I got a Bible, New Living Translation, wow. started reading it, and I just turned my life. I basically just started reading the Bible, the gospel, and I just started getting pumped on it. Awesome. Because uh, the Bible is just uh, when you start reading about Jesus, he was, he was, him and his his crew of guys, they uh, they just went against the whole religious system. Right. And, it, and, and Jesus isn't religious is what I found out. And he just gets ordinary men. And he does extraordinary things with them. Right. And as I started reading the Bible and seeing like that Jesus would preach the gospel, they'd be praying for people, people would get healed, demons would get casted out of people. And he just loved people. And he was just always going to the, to the needy people. And he just right. really loved sinners. And he could get dirty sinners like me and just change their lives and do a, a 180. Yeah. And, uh, so I want to talk more about that because I think I think that's what is so beautiful about your story is yeah. what God took from ashes yeah. and just created beauty from it. Yeah. Um, and so when we when we, you had me on my uh, me on your yeah. show a while back, you had told me uh, sort of about how God redeemed that yeah. season of your life and yeah. took took you from this man who had had his unborn children killed yeah. against his will, totally yeah. distraught, totally depressed, totally destroyed. 
and and now how he's how he sort of redeemed that story yeah. Yeah. and i just think that speaks so much to the character of the holy spirit what he does in his people um so i, w- I want you to share that yeah um so you have you're married now you have four kids uh four yes four kids yeah. but the first three are uh triplets, triplets. so yeah. tell us that story yeah so basically uh from that point i just gave my life to god and through the work of the holy spirit he started uh, cleaning me up and working in my life. And from that point, um, God did all kinds of cool things. He brought the girl in my dreams. And then um, we uh, we tried having kids for like two years. And uh, we went through infertility for two years. Couldn't get pregnant. Went to the doctors. They're like, we don't know what's going on. My wife had endometriosis. We get the surgery. So she doesn't have it. Still couldn't get her pregnant. We tried fertility treatment. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And basically what happened is um, after two years of getting it, I saw anxiety coming over my wife, depression, because when a woman can't get pregnant, you know, I think it's worse for the girl. The guy, yeah. I don't know, for me, well, I was just like, hey, you know, if we're not meant to have kids and, you know, whatever, it's, right. it's, it's cool. If not, uh, and then we could adopt kids. So right. that was also on the table. We're like, totally. adoption? Okay, so there's options, right, right. right? So what happened is from that point is um, after two years of trying to get pregnant, we couldn't. Finally, that last month, I'm like, Forget it. If we don't get pregnant this month, we're going to stop trying and we're just going to, uh, we're going to adopt kids and just call it a day. Right. And, uh, we, that month we ended up getting pregnant. We went to the doctors and they discovered that we had fraternal twins. So two babies that look wow. different. And, uh, they said, everything looks good. Keep coming to the, keep coming back every two weeks so we can monitor this. Cause this is a very high risk pregnancy. Right. So we go back two weeks later, they look at baby A and B. They said, everything looks good. And then as a joke, I look at the screen and I said, oh my gosh, doctor, what is that? And he says, one of the eggs split into identical twins a week late. And and, and wow. he's like, well, you're having triplets. And I said, okay. But he goes, I can't no give way. you a picture of baby C, number three, because there's this thing called vanishing twin where the egg splits and then it just dies out. And then you just have the one baby. Wow. And I'm like, well, we've heard this story before in a previous pregnancy wow. where the baby died out. So we go, okay, we, we left and we prayed. We said, Jesus, you're the giver of life. Mm. Lord, baby C, we pray for baby C to catch up. Yeah. And we ended up going back two weeks later, baby C ended up catching up. And they said, now you're having triplets. But <sighs> wow. this is a very high risk pregnancy because baby C is already a week behind. So that could be like a month behind in development, right? Wow. I mean, it, you're, they're, they're way behind. And now baby C has to feed off baby B because they're identical twins. So there could be technical difficulties with that as well. And your wife's life could be in danger because, you know, people just aren't used to having three babies, right? right, There's a lot of different things that could happen. Yeah. So we keep going back every two weeks. We get to 16 weeks and the doctor says, listen, um, I'm sorry, but there's nothing basically we can do, nothing medicine or your money can do or science can do, but these babies are millimeters from coming out oh my and gosh. you're going to lose them. That's 16 weeks. Yeah. 16 weeks. They're, they're going to come out. Your wife can't hold them. So they're going to come out and they're going to die. And there's nothing we can do. We're so sorry. So there was no hope with them. Oh my God. So we prayed and through the work of the Holy spirit, God but opened God. the door for us to, to, to meet with a, with another doctor specialist, which is a, uh, a Jewish believer in Christ. And we met, we didn't know we met with them and, Wow. Turns out they found out that we were Christians and they said, listen, they were like, th- th- this was like a sketchy situation even for them. And and 
we just started praying, you know, first thing we prayed, we said, God, keep these babies in. They're like, dude, this is like not, they're like, this isn't looking good. But they said, we're believers, we're all believers. And, you know, God can do whatever he wants. Right, right, so our faith's in him. There's hope in them. Wow. So we prayed and basically um, we started going every two weeks to get monitored. Wow. And uh, God woke up my mom with, a uh, that night that we found out the bad news, God woke up my mom with a, a vision in the middle of the night. And she saw a, uh, it was like a, a stormy sea from Jesus' time with like a boat from Jesus' time on the boat. And there was hmm. three babies on it. One had brown hair looking out the front and two identical twins were sleeping in the front of the boat. No way. And in the vision, the, the, the boat manifested or transformed into Jesus' hand. So we knew those babies were in a storm, but they were in God's hands. Then wow. we received another prophetic word in the vision format from another girl that emailed it to us. And it was three coffins. And he, on each coffin, it said fear. And I guess Jesus walked by and wiped off fear off each coffin. So we knew wow. that these babies were in a storm, but they were in God's hands. And God basically was telling us not to fear. Wow. Then we received a dream from another co-worker's wife. And she saw, he, she saw my wife with a huge belly in the <laughs> dream in front of this like stone wall. So anyway, long story short, every month, Every week would go by. Those babies were millimeters from coming out to planet Earth. Gosh. And then we ended up having triplet healthy daughters, just like the vision. One Burnett, two identical twin blondes, Evelyn, Lillian, and Sadie Lynn. Wow. And um, <laughs> that's yeah, awesome. that's, that's, that's basically what happened. Wow. That so, But so what's cool. so interesting, now this is the kicker. <laughs> so what I lost, I wasn't a Christian. I went after my dreams. I got a girl pregnant. Out of God, out of you know wedlock, you know, um, she ended up aborting one kid without telling me. With, then I got her pregnant again with identical twins. One died out from vanishing twin. Then she aborted the other one. I got divorced. Went into depression. You know, numb myself with drugs and alcohol and career and relationships. Gave my life to Jesus Christ in a hotel room. God forgave me of all my sins. Then He brought the girl of my dreams. I'm now I'm doing everything in my career. I still work in the music industry, still work in the skate industry, I run a right. movement called the Whosoever's radio shows, all this stuff. God just like gives me all these blessings back right. and wow. more. <laughs> and then he gives me back to two identical twins and the fraternal all in one pregnancy. <laughs> pregnancy yeah. So now either I got really good luck or God's real <laughs> and he's in all the details. <laughs> right, right, right. And what's interesting is this is the story I've been touring around the world for the last three years or four years now. Wow. Telling. And we've seen over, you know, over now, I think it's over like 56,000 students give their life to Jesus Christ wow. through this love story yeah. of what God, what Satan tried to destroy because the thief has come to steal, kill and destroy. That's right. But Jesus redeems and, and brings beauty from ashes. Right. And he, Jesus says, but I've come to give life abundantly. abundantly. Yeah. And that's what God wants to do is he just loves wow. telling his grace story. That's amazing. So you're never too far gone. Wow. That's awesome. That for, is such a good message. For that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. That's yeah. amazing. Well, I have a lot more I want to discuss with you in a second. And I know yeah. all of our listeners here will be blessed by Ryan and his heart for life. But first, if you like this show on Aborted and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the pro-life movement of the abortion wars in a country that is so divided and torn apart at the seams in our culture and on this question of life, then head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of the show. If you're enjoying this, this is helpful to equip you to love the Lord, follow hard after Christ, and also be a voice as Proverbs 30 
31.8 says to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves and become a patron of the show. Greg Cunningham, my mentor, says that there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. That's the sad tragedy of abortion in America. And our passion for life and protecting life as followers of Jesus needs to be significantly greater than the passion and commitment of those on the side of the abortion juggernaut in their commitment to death. So if you want to help out this show and help us bring more great guests, commentary, and content to help equip you to defend life, head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of the show. We'll be right back with a more excellent conversations and topic with Ryan Reese. Welcome back to Unaborted with Seth Gruber and our guest today, Ryan Reese of The Whosoever's. I hope his story was encouraging to you. You know, I talk a lot about in the show about ideas, the consequences of bad ideas. And the consequences of bad ideas on the issue of abortion is victims, dead babies who were killed on the altar of a bad ideology. But it's very important for us to humanize this conversation because, of course, abortion is an issue of inhumanity. It's the dehumanizing of our unborn neighbors in order to justify killing them. And so stories like Ryan's, I think, are just so important for us to be able to defend life, but also have compassion for our brothers and sisters who have gone through this issue. But God has taken Ryan from this amazing story, this amazing testimony to now use him on such a massive platform, redeeming your ashes into beauty. Uh, And it just reminded me of a famous quote from Andrew Breitbart, political commentator. And he once said that politics is downstream of culture, right? And so wherever the culture is at, that's what's going to dictate the politics because politics is led and politicians are people who are of the culture. They're raised in a certain culture with certain ideas. Mm -hmm. So politics is always downstream of culture, but we often forget that culture is also downstream of religion. It all starts with religion because whether it's Christianity, Judaism, Islam, or secular humanism or relativism. These are all religions, right? The left is its own religion. It has its own worldview, its own lens through which it sees the world and makes sense of the world. So it really starts with the human soul. It starts with religion. Mm -hmm. That dictates the ideas that lead to the culture and the culture dictates our politics. And so the religion of the next generation will be the culture of the future. Mm -hmm. Whatever the young people believe about eternity, Mm -hmm. Christ, the the human soul is going to dictate the type of culture we have. And so how are you and the whosoever's reaching the next generation? It's funny because I was just going to say, this is why we need a revival. (laughs) (laughs) A great awakening, should I say. Um, Yeah, you know what? Well, there there is hope because they say that Gen Z, uh, there's going to be a shift with the Gen Z. Right. They, uh, they're more conservative, they say. I mean, that, that's been the statistics. I've, yeah. you probably, I've seen those statistics read about as well, that. yeah. So that's encouraging. And uh, that's all we're pretty much in front of is Gen Z is right. around the world. So our main focus is we're, we're just Great Commission. We are uh, literally, I take the Great Commission very serious. And um, we're just trying to tour around the world and get in front of as many students as possible. Right. And let them know that there is a God. He's real. He's not religious. He's probably not what you've seen on TV or right, late right. night, you know, selling holy water or any of that prosperity stuff. It's he, he, he's personal and he wants to um, encounter them. He wants to bless them. I know that sounds cliche. I hate speaking Christianese, but literally he doesn't want to bless you. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and he wants to show them their destiny and their purpose. And I think that what's going on in society is that people are being raised on social media Hmm. And um, that stuff's all fake and they don't know their purpose because they're too busy, caught up watching 
just looking at other people's lives and they're just missing out. Right. But if they can kill the noise, which is our tour, it's called Kill the Noise. Right, right. Kill the noise, the distractions, and focus on what God has for them, they will truly start living. They will feel that peace and everything will start connecting mm. with relationships and their career and their right. schools and right. just um, the And life. you tell your story to these students. Yeah, right? I just tell my story and let them, I, I basically, it's so funny because people go, well, what do you tell these students? Right. And I go, well, I never tell them not to do drugs. I never tell them not to do anything because me growing up, I've always been a rebel and I don't want anyone telling me what to do. And I think the most effective way to communicate with uh students and people is you tell uh, an attractive story hmm. and the attractive story is that i was in a dark place hmm. i gave my life to jesus and the attraction of the message is the forgiveness of sins the blood that was shed washes as white as snow right we get filled with the holy spirit the power from heaven and then god light makes all the old things in your life pass away which they want right and everything becomes brand new. And I tell them about what God has done. Mm. And because I could tell them what God has done and how I serve God now, that they don't want to do those things mm. anymore because they want this part of your life. Right. This is what you were created for. Yeah. So I'm just telling them what God's done in my life, the grace and mercy, and he's a loving God. And he- uh, That's amazing. He wants to change you. So how many high schools have you gone into this year so far? Well, it's almost this, okay. So this last year that we just got off of this last school year was 98 schools. Wow. Yeah. All public high schools. All public high schools. Oh, that's well, amazing. I think we went to like maybe three Christian schools. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, wow. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So we, and we do very similar work in the sense that we're focused on the next generation. Yeah. And the church. Yeah. And, and encouraging not just obedience to Christ, but also preaching the full counsel of God. Yeah. Not shying away from issues that might, uh, compromise our reputation yeah. before other Christians or that might not be ideal to the tithing or, yeah. or might turn off young people yeah. from the gospel simply because the gospel might speak to things that are a little more sensitive or a little more controversial. And, oh, you know, we don't, we don't want people to walk away from Jesus because we made an offensive message. Yeah. And so, um, I, I have an, I have an abortion thing I want to talk about please. Uh, in a school. Tell me because we're, yeah, it's cause amazing. Cause you're, we're, you're just telling me, you know, we want to talk about the truth, right? And I'm, I'm like you, I'm, I'm black and white. I'm like, <laughs> if it says it in the Bible, I don't shy away from anything. And right. here's a perfect illustration of a of a situation I just had at a high school. So I can't remember what it was. It was, it was somewhere in LA. Hmm. And so we do the assembly, we start walking out. We do yeah. lunchtime assemblies, by the way. So we I start walking out and I look over and I see this, it's like a PE class. And then there's like a teacher there. And I just felt like, the Holy Spirit says to go talk to the teacher. And this is the way the Holy Spirit works, mm -hmm. right? So I, I didn't hear anything. I just felt this prompting, go talk to the Holy, go talk to the teacher. Now, why would Ryan Reese want to go talk to a PE teacher? I just got done with the event. I want to go home and get some tacos, right? <laughs> right. So basically what happens is I feel prompted to go talk to the teacher. So that must be the Holy Spirit. So I go over there. I start talking to her. And I'm just, I don't even know why the Holy Spirit told me to go there. So mm -hmm. I'm just there like starting small talk. Oh, wow. You're the PE teacher, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 We start talking, blah, 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 blah. And then next thing you know, as I'm talking to her, then these students come up and they basically start talking to me. So then I start talking to the students. I'm like, okay, God, you just want me to talk to this teacher to open the door to start talking to these students. Right. So I start making small talk. Oh, I like your checkered bands. I like your purple hair, whatever it is. We start talking. And then they're like, well, I'm like, oh, did you guys go into the assembly? And they're like, no, what was it? So I start telling them about, what we're doing. Wow. And then they're like, oh, oh, it's like religious. I go, well, not really. And I 
started talking about Jesus, how he's not religious, he wants a relationship. And then the one girl goes, well, I don't, I don't, I don't like what, what, what God stands for. I go like, what? She's all like, you know, the, like, um, like a bo- abortion. Mm-hmm. I said, Oh, abortion. I go, well, you know, the 10 commandments, you know, like it says like, like, you know, thou shalt not lie. Like, do you agree with that? She's like, yeah. I go, thou shalt not kill. She's like, I agree with that. You know, and I'm kind of walking <laughs> down. And I'm like, well, right. I go, well, abortions, murder, like you're killing. She goes, Oh, and I said, yeah. So you agree with that? She's like, yeah. So anyway, fast forwarding, just, just addressing it. I said, abortion is murder. That's why in the 10 commandments says thou shalt not kill. Hmm. And basically what happens is I end up leading them all to the Lord right there. Wow. I just addressed it. And it's like, for some reason, she didn't think abortion was murder. Right. And I said, well, you don't agree with abortion, but in the 10 commandments says thou shalt not murder, but you agree with that. Right. And then I put pieces them together and she was like, she had this clarity. Wow. So she agreed with it, and then I get, she gave her life to the Lord. Amazing. And hasn't God also used you in some situations with pregnant women who were contemplating abortion, giving uh, you a chance yeah. to speak into their lives? Yeah, yeah. Well, there was a girl in uh, that came to our, the study, and she was, I think she was like 16. She got pregnant. She was 16 wow. years old or something like that. And, you know, um, she just came for advice and, you know, just prayed with her and encouraged her. And she ended up uh, basically just a, like a boy, uh, not a boy. She ended up um, adopt sending the kid out for. Yeah, she yeah. had him and then adopted the kid wow. in into a good family. But I was actually just in Mexico, and uh, this we were we were praying for all these kids after. And my my friend, she 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 gets like prophetic words for people, right? So we're we're sitting there and we're praying for this girl. And then I go, well, you pray for her, and she prays for her, and, and she, God showed her that she had a baby in her stomach. Wow, she's like. I see you, you have a baby in your stomach. And she basically called that. I was like a girl. She's like, you have a baby girl in your stomach. And right now I see that, you know, uh, your dad has disowned you and he, he, he wants you to abort the kid and all this stuff. Wow. And basically she just starts bawling and all that's right exactly on. what happened. Wow. So she just says, well, God sees you like this and God's comforting that baby and loves you. And basically just encourage her like, God sees that baby in you. Don't abort the kid. Wow. No matter, even if your dad wants you to abort the kid. Yeah. He sees that baby and he's gonna he's gonna take care of it. He's gonna wow. develop it. And he has a plan for that baby. Wow! But it was just like a word right there yeah. at that time. Amazing. Because she was contemplating. Yeah. You know, aborting the kid. Right. She, I think she was like fourteen or fifteen yeah. years old. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, and and often it takes an encounter with the creator. Yeah. Of life for you to have a respect for life. Yeah. And that's why the majority of the pro-choice movement yeah. is not. Christians. Yeah. They have no respect for the creator of life. Yeah. So why would they believe in the dignity and intrinsic value yeah. of the lives he's created in the womb? Well, most people just believe that you're just here by, by accident. Right. We're just cosmic slum. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I mean, they're living and they're like, we're just here. Right. Whatever. Yeah. And that's why I think both of what we do addresses very significant aspects mm-hmm. of these culture wars, mm-hmm. which are deeper spiritual battles, really. Right? Yeah. Because it's it's the religion of the culture that will dictate the direction of the culture and the direction of the culture will eventually impact our politics. And so we have to have this message of the gospel, mm-hmm. the the not just the best story, but the truest story. Yeah. While also while also reaching across the aisle to people who may not believe in the Christian worldview and and graciously and winsomely engaging with them mm-hmm. because we need a movement of people all opposed to the killing of babies in the womb. Yeah. And just like the abolitionist movement during slavery included many people who were not Christians. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but it also gave those Christian abolitionists the opportunity to share the gospel mm -hmm. with those who didn't believe in Christ, but still wanted the end of slavery. And so I think bringing those two things together is very important. Well, you know, we both speak and work with a lot of students in churches um, and often addressing less than comfortable issues. So from your experience, why do you think the church is so deafeningly silent on the issue of abortion? Well, I, I mean, I think that, uh, no, that people just don't want to offend people. You know, I mean, right. <laughs> maybe they, they just don't want people to like leave. Right. Like, you know, that affects the tithing that funds the church. Right. You know, there's a lot of things that people, that a lot of churches don't talk about because of, of that. And, and abortion is, is one of them. Yeah. You know, but, um, you know, what I've seen is that, you know, healthy churches, you have to give a full counsel of, of God yeah, and right. God's the one that brings the increase and, and, yeah, and decrease. Yeah. So right, people shouldn't be worried. Right. And people need to know the truth. And it, there's just a lot of, even with this younger generation, it's just a lack of knowledge. Honestly, right. you know, they don't, yeah, they don't true. know it's murder because they've been, they've been brought up and right. it's just a slab of whatever. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I've often said that we have to care more about the feelings. We, we sometimes we actually, we end up caring more about the feelings of born people mm -hmm. than the lives of unborn people. Yeah. But we have to care more about the lives of our unborn neighbor than the feelings of our born neighbors. <laughs> and that's not a tacit admission to go around gratuitously offending people. But it means, like you said, you have to preach the full counsel of God, and God blesses obedience. And it has to all be in love too. Like there has to be. Right. It's it, it's all the tone. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's like right. when I'm when I'm sharing with that girl, you know, or people that are going through these situations, yeah, right. it's like. Yeah, you're not screaming at them. <laughs> no, it's just you just gotta right. let them know that you love them, and, and right. this is what it says. But it's not like you can't be like talking yeah. down to people. Well, and I can't tell you how many churches I speak to where I'm engaging with the pastors. We're talking about addressing abortion from the pulpit and bringing me in to give a message on life, and they've never had a pro-life speaker. They've never preached a message on abortion. They're very hesitant. They're very wary to let this happen mm -hmm. because they have this sense that it's going to be some type of bombastic yelling type of sermon. And I say, no, it's called loving our unborn neighbor. Yeah. Because scripture tells us to love your neighbor as yourself. And the Bible is very clear that every human being is our neighbor. The unborn is a human being. So the unborn is our yeah. neighbor. And I'm just talking about how we can love our unborn neighbors and their mothers and fathers. Yeah. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah. that's not so bad. So yeah. it is so much in how you do it and, yeah. and grace and in love. Yeah. But I've always said that abortion is not a political issue which I know is something we agree on. It's a moral yeah. and it's a spiritual they make issue. It, they make it political. Huh? This Right. It's become politicized yeah. by those with a vested interest in destigmatizing abortion so that they can push the narrative that what? It's healthcare, right? It's, a, it's bodily autonomy. It's feminism. And so how, in your perspective, is abortion a spiritual issue? And how do you address it from that perspective? All right. Well, let's, let's look back at the Old Testament. Okay, so back in the Old Testament, you have uh, you know Baal and, and Ashtoreth, and when you when you go back to even uh, second was the Second Chronicles thirty three, King Manasseh's reign, he was the most uh, evil king that ever reigned. Now in the temple back then, which is where they would worship God, it was like the church, I guess, back then. Right. Uh, he brought in the the the, the gods that they were worshiping, um, worshiping the stars, the astrology. They even had mediums. I mean, that's people with demons inside of them speaking. Right. Uh, uh, like if you go to like psychics and stuff like that. And then they had uh, the God of Ashraf, which was the God of uh, uh, pornography. It was like a woman, half naked woman. And the way you would worship her is, you know, they would, they would, they would see this half naked lady and then they would get aroused and they would break out into orgies in the temple. Right. And have wow. sex. And then what happens is when you have uh, sex with, uh, random people 
you have random babies, right? It's just like today, right? Right. <laughs> and then what happens with these random babies, then they would worship the God of uh, a Molech. Uh, and then what they would do there is they would get this uh, calf, gold calf, heat it up. And that's where the drum circles uh, started. Hmm. I heard when I went to Israel, they would play the drums and they would get the newborn babies and they would throw them into the fire and burn them alive. And that's the way they worship the God of, of Molech. Uh, Molech, right? So now when you look at today, what is the difference between someone getting aroused with, with pornography, hmm. they're worshiping the God of Ashtoreth. And what do you do when you get aroused with pornography? If you're not having sex in front of the, the screen, those <laughs> lusts right. will continue with you and you will go have sex with random girls. Cause you, I, I'm a, I'm, I did, you want to have sex with girls because your, your mind's going crazy and you want to act out this stuff. Right. So what happens is then you get a girl pregnant yeah. and then you have a random girl that you met at a bar or at a club or I don't know, wherever you meet girls. Yeah. And then you have this girl pregnant. And then what do you decide to do? You don't want to have this random baby with this random girl. So you worship the God of Molech and you go to the abortion clinic and you put it into the liquid fire basically. Right. And that's it. So there's nothing new under the sun. Like <laughs> King Solomon says, right, right. Um, wow. It's, yeah. uh, it's very relevant. That's why the scripture is so relevant. Right. You know, so spiritually, uh, they've been doing it for thousands of years. That's right. And I, I've often said that, that God doesn't care the name of the God, the small G God yeah. that you sacrifice your children to. Yeah. He doesn't care the name of the God. Yeah. Call him Molech or call him selfishness, yeah. money, career well-being, education. Either way, you're sacrificing your children to something that you perceive as a god in order to receive a blessing in return and improve your life. And that's what the Israelites were doing when they were sacrificing their children to Molech and to these pagan gods. Is they actually believed that they would receive a blessing in return. Unbelievable. <laughs> and now we sacrifice our children to the gods of convenience, finances, education, and career well-being in order to receive the blessing of the pursuit of those things and oh, not having a child prevent us from pursuing those things. That's so, great. I like, I like the way you put that. I'm so going to use that. <laughs> if, yeah, please. So if abortion is modern day child sacrifice, what should the church's response be to that? And, and how do you think pastors talking about abortion as child sacrifice might inspire followers of Jesus to act differently? I think if you just teach, I mean, if you just teach that, that we just talked about, you predict it to the old Testament and you just tell them, you just, if you just relate it in life application, because sometimes when you're teaching Bible stories, if you don't bring right. the life application to it, if you bring it that way, I mean, it, it is what it is. It's right there in the Bible. Right. And you could see the seriousness of it. I mean, I, I taught on this. I did a study called Destroy All Gods hmm. a while ago. And this was actually that. I wow. taught on that exact thing. And literally, awesome. dude, when, when I said- How did people respond When I said that? people to come forward, I mean, we saw probably like, I don't know. There had to be at least 5,000 people giving their life to God or like coming forward for prayer, like by the end, like all three services. Wow. It was crazy. Wow. Because I just showed them here it is in the Bible. Yeah. And then this wow. is it today. And I just said, listen, we have, this is why Jesus died on the cross. Yeah. Because we could all be forgiven. Mm, yeah. I was forgiven of everything I've ever done. That's right. He'll forgive you. Yeah. He loves you. And if you've done it, you're going to be forgiven right now. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about the past because you're not going in that direction. That's right. You're moving forward. And if you're contemplating this right now, here's the time to change your mind. Right. You've seen it all in the Gospels. Yeah, yeah. Or in the, in the Bible. And I love how you've talked about this issue as well as um, you know other people in the Calvary community, such mm -hmm. as Jack Hibbs and your dad and mm -hmm. others, because there are so few pastors who 
or Christian leaders and, you know, mm-hmm. people evangelists like you who have a big platform and address abortion as the deep moral evil it is as child sacrifice while also holding out the grace of God at the same time. Yeah. Because if you don't articulate the moral depravity of abortion, Mm -hmm. then what you're really telling people is it's not all that bad. Yeah. Right. But then if you, if you faithfully preach against abortion and you call it child sacrifice to the pagan gods of career, well-being and education, then people are like, oh my gosh, I killed my baby to finish college. That is a true message, but it can be a very overwhelming message to tell young men and women that that you're a murderer, that you arranged the death of your child and that God is a judging God. So there has to be this, right, this message of both the depravity of sin, the the deep evil of abortion, which I say is actually the greatest human rights violation in human history. Mm -hmm. We kill a million babies a year in the United States of America. We've killed 1.5 billion worldwide since 1980. This makes Hitler and Stalin look like toddlers playing in a sandbox. They would bow to the God of Roe versus Wade and the abortion industry. But how can you articulate that type of evil message to someone without completely destroying their soul and making them feel hopeless? The gospel. Yeah. Again, when I told that story, it's like when when I got to that part, you could just hear every service, everyone just be like, it's just quiet. Because it's there. Because here you are without tearing them apart. You're basically seeing what these people did back then. And people are like, oh my gosh. Oh, they're so evil, right? I can't <laughs> believe this. How could they do that? And then all of a sudden you're like, what's the difference between right now, people going to the abortion clinic, right. watching porn, boom, and all of a sudden you're, you know, they say like, I mean, more yeah. than half the place is watching porn in church yeah. these days. That's right. So now everyone's just like, oh. Yeah. And and that's the, that's right. and you're just like. Yeah. Well, and according to the Guttmacher Institute, which is Planned Parenthood Statistical Research Branch, they report that around 30% of the annual abortions in America are performed on babies whose mothers identify as Protestant Christians. And I do say abortions performed on babies because <laughs> abortions are intended to kill babies. Right? They're not intended to kill the mother. So 30% of women getting abortions for their babies in America every year Christian. identify as Protestant Christians. Yeah. And this reminds me so much of when God commands Jeremiah in Jeremiah 7. Mm-hmm. He tells Jeremiah to go stand at the gates of the temple and warn God's people oh, yeah, about child right. sacrifice. Yeah. To go Basically, if the modern day example would be Go stand outside of the churches that do nothing on abortion or many of the members who are getting abortions and warn them about child sacrifice. And when God talks about child sacrifice, I mean, you know, he says a deed so evil, it didn't even enter my mind that you would do this, that you would sacrifice your babies to Molech. And yet we're doing the same thing today. And so one of the stories I love to share with people when I preach in churches on abortion, so I just preach at Calvary Chapel Chino Valley um, for David Rosales. And big church like that, a lot of people would have had an abortion, right? And so I I have to balance that with with the evil of abortion and the grace of Jesus. And I think probably one of the best examples in scripture is King David, right? This is man after God's own heart. That's a great story. It's like, oh, wow, King David. Everyone loves King David, right? He was obedient. He loved God. Oh, but he had some big spiritual speed bumps. The big one being that rather than fighting on the front lines with his troops like he should have been, he's cruising around his roof, checking out a woman taking a shower, He's a pervert, (laughs) right? And then he brings her into his room. They have sex. They create a baby. And now what does King David do? He arranges to have an innocent person murdered. Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. He arranges to have him murdered to cover up and hide his sexual sin. How many men and women are getting abortions in the church particularly to cover up and hide their sexual sin? But whether that's the intention or not, what's the end result? A dead, innocent human being. So just like what King David did, abortion arranges the death. Yeah. of an innocent human being. Yeah. So 
So when we talk to these students and to these people who are wounded by abortion, the message is, yes, you arranged the death of an innocent human being who was infinitely valuable and knit together in their mother's womb by God. But also, if there was grace for King David, there's grace for you. Because when the prophet confronted uh, King David, David repented. Yeah. Right? And, And he said regarding his son that died, he said, my son will not return to me, but I will go to him. So that means for people who have obtained an abortion, if they repent and accept the grace of Jesus, they're going to see their babies in heaven again one day. 100%. So, you know, uh, one other side note is that what do, what do the devil worshipers do? Like, like Satanists, they sacrifice babies. I mean, come on. It's, it's. Well, the church of Satan all, is very pro-abortion. It's, it's all. It's all <laughs> Shouldn't surprise yeah. us. Yeah, But like with you, if, like I'm talking about black magic Satanists, they actually abort. No, they don't abort kids. They, they sacrifice them. So this is like demonic to the highest right. level. Yeah, that's right. Um, this act. So many pastors and churches that that I work with, and of course in America, maintain that um, addressing and abolishing abortion is not the role or responsibility of the church. Right? I get this a lot. So churches I try to work with, they'll say, well, that's great what you do, Seth. Right, right. Keep up the good work. We yeah. love what you're doing to fight abortion. But, you know, our role is the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. And so... Talking about abortion and preaching on abortion and standing outside yeah, of abortion, okay. you see, that's not the role of the church. But let's so go, what would you say to those well, people? I would say, so there's there's two different great commissions that you hear in the Bible, right? There's the one that says, uh, uh, go out and preach the gospel, um, baptize, uh, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey my commandments. That's Bam, right. that's it. Boom. Okay? So the great commission, it's all there. The, teach them to obey my commandments. That's right. That's the word of God. That's right. Amen. So it's all in the Bible. Perfect. Simple. <laughs> and I can't tell you how many pastors uh, I have to explain that to. Right. And I mean, I, you know, pray, you know praise God get- that they're they're there. But like, you know, we need to preach the full counsel of God. And so when people say, well, we're, we're, we're about the gospel, Ryan. You see, we're a, we're a great commission church. We're not a pro-life church. But there's two. See, <laughs> I, it's funny because like lately the great commission's really been on my mind as far as like the, the two. Right. And I'm like, God laid it out because see, I'm an evangelist, right? So I can identify as go out and preach the gospel, signs and wonders will follow, right? Because that's kind of like where you're out, you're preaching the gospel and you pray for people and they get healed and stuff like that. But then there's the other great commission, which is like to the church, you know, uh, preach the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to obey my commandments. That's almost like- Teach them, disciple them. Yeah. Yeah. So that that seems like the, the more of like the church- thing because when right. i'm out I'm, I'm in a jail i can't baptize them right there right you know what i'm saying yeah so but it's there teach them to obey my commandments that's to me that's genesis to revelation that's right yeah 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 and so what <laughs> i'll tell people too is i'll say so let's 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 break that down teach them to obey all that i've commanded well that's a lot of commandments mm-hmm. is there a way that we could simplify those commandments into i don't know two? Oh, wait jesus already did that for yeah. us all the law and the prophets hang yeah. on these two Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then Christ says, actually, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So not only do the two great commandments say love God and love your neighbor, but it also says when you love your neighbor, you love God. (laughs) Right? So then the question I pose to Christian leaders very graciously, of course, is, is the unborn our neighbor? If the unborn is our neighbor and has the same value as the man who got beat up while traveling to Jericho in the parable of the Good Samaritan— And the Good Samaritan loved that bleeding victim. Well, if the unborn is our bleeding victim and they're being targeted for death, then we have to be as 
committed to loving them as we do our born neighbors. And no pastors think it's controversial. No church think it's controversial to talk about the evils of sex trafficking or the evils of child slavery. Well, if those are our neighbors and the unborn is our neighbor, we need to be committed to loving both, right? Mm -hmm. So that's Again, good. I think that's just because it's a, it's a, it's a, a political thing, you know? I mean, with the pastors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not. That's right. That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. They're, they're positioning it more. It's like political. Right. But it's not. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to finish with this question. I want to give you a chance to share anything else that's on your heart too. Given how much abortion has affected your life and how God has redeemed that, especially as a man who had no voice, right? Yeah. Legally was shut off from protecting oh, yeah. your unborn children. What would be your message to Christian or non-Christian men on this issue? Um, well, first of all, babies are real <laughs> uh, they're real they're it, and they uh conception starts right when the when the egg and and the sperm connect and um don't if you know don't if your girl is in a situation where she wants to get an abortion you just gotta you gotta pray and you have to tell her the the truth and let her know that it's it's it is a baby and it's not just a a mass and you know, there's going to be no side effects. Cause there's not only side effects of the baby's death being murdered, but she's going to have long-term effects on her life. Like this, the guilt is going to haunt her for life. Right. I can't tell you how many ladies still, even, even people that are Christians, they, they just, you know, cause the enemy likes to put those, those thoughts in her mind. Right. You did it, even though they're forgiven, yeah. the enemy will always come knocking and always put those fiery darts in your mind, there's effects of physically where some girls can't even have kids anymore. I've, I've, I don't know if you ever met Lisa. She does um, uh, overcoming uh, ministries and her whole thing. She had an abortion. Mm. She can't get pregnant wow. ever again. Oh, so like you'll get the damaged womb. Yeah. And um, I think just more, more or less even the, just the haunting of, of, of the, of the guilt that Satan will come and mess with your mind. So there are long terms effects yeah. of, of abortion. Yeah. Not just the immediate, right? But for I think that the worst part is forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when we don't follow God and do things His ways, there's consequences. Yeah. But then on the flip side, if you've already done it, there's forgiveness. Right. There's forgiveness. You'll see your kid again in heaven, and um, God loves you, and uh, you know your sins are cast as far as the east to the west. Yeah. Amen. No, but that doesn't give you a license to kill. That's right. Yeah. You know, right. well said. Wow. Well, how can people connect with you and the whosoever's? Yeah, we're on uh social media, the whosoever's that's our handle everywhere. And then uh, my name's Ryan Reese. You could just Google that name R I E S and it's on uh, social media um, as well. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Radio well, we show do have some there. high school listeners as well to yeah. this show. So if any of you high school students are interested in bringing the whosoever's for a tour at some point yeah. in 2020 or in the future to share their message and their heart for the gospel and for life and for the great commission at your school, you know where to connect with them. Well, thanks for joining me and Ryan Reese today for our conversation on all of these topics. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, give us a rating and review. Let us know what you think about the show that really helps us climb the ratings and reach more people with this important content. And if you you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to get my newsletter training videos. Come see my speaking schedule or invite me to speak at your church or youth group to engage and equip people to be defenders of life and love our unborn neighbors and their mothers and fathers. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber. This is Ryan Reese, and this is Unaborted. Unaborted. <laughs>